This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Well, today, ladies and gentlemen, for our Bible talk, we'd like to look at what the Christian's approach should be to the world of trouble in which we live and to see what the world is coming to. The world in which we live, to put it bluntly, is in a bit of a mess. But today, after talking about some of the problems that blight this world, we hope to show that the life of a Christian is one of joy and one of happiness, and not one of sorrow. We like today to show what a positive hope there is for those that seek God. When God created mankind on the earth, we read in Genesis 1 and verse 31, that God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, enjoyed their life in the garden which God had created for them. And in Genesis, we're told about the time when Adam is asked by God to give names to all the animals of his creation. We read, and God brought them, the animals, unto Adam to see what he would call them. (coughs) However, this state of perfection didn't last for long. Soon we see Adam and Eve disobeying God's commandment and eating of the forbidden tree. They'd been given a choice to obey God and to live or to disobey him and to die a choice which all generations have been given. But man at large um, wants to go his own way, like Adam and Eve who did so, so long ago. And although the world, when it was created, was created very good, now we see many troubles blighting this modern world in which we live. And so perhaps we come to the unhappy part of our talk, as we discuss our troubled world. Let's firstly then consider acid rain, nuclear contamination, the ozone layer and germ warfare. Rainwater was once one of the purest forms of water available, but is now often contaminated by pollutants in the air. Acid rain is caused when industrial emissions mix with atmospheric moisture. And these pollutants can be carried in the clouds for a long distance before falling. Which means that the forests and the lakes far away from these factories that cause this acidic rain uh, may be damaged by that acidic rain. And here on this slide we see a forest damaged by acid rain. Forests, lakes, ponds and other terrestrial and aquatic environments throughout the world are being severely damaged by the effects of acid rain. Acid rain is caused by the combination of sulphur dioxide and nitrogen compounds with water uh, in the atmosphere. Going on to nuclear power plants, the first full-scale nuclear power plant began 
operating in 1956 in England and in 1957 in the United States. Subsequently, several other countries have followed suit. Nuclear power is a controversial energy source. It's inexpensive and it creates no air pollution. But radioactivity released during accidents at nuclear power plants has caused deaths and environmental damage. Now the ozone layer, ultraviolet light from the sun, is now penetrating the ozone layer because the chlorofluorocarbons released by our aerosol cans and solvents have destroyed the outer protective layer of ozone around our earth. This ultraviolet light causes skin cancers in those who are exposed to it. Another problem that's threatening this modern world in which we live is germ warfare. A treaty, a treaty totally banning biological warfare was drawn up by the Geneva Conference in 1971. Some 80 nations signed this treaty which outlaws a whole class of weapons uh, by most of the world. However, its effectiveness is still questionable and progress in genetic engineer has also co engineering has also uh, complicated the issue. At the Bush Gorbachev summit in June 1990 a treaty was signed providing for both the United States and the USSR to reduce stockpiles of chemical weapons so these nations still have these weapons and, and presumably they're ready to use them and up to date now we've heard that Syria has these chemical weapons today uh, as we've seen in our newspaper bulletins lately Some more things that blight this troubled world in which we live, which we hear of in our daily newspapers and on the television. Pollution, famine, disaster, war and illness. Never have the words of Paul in chapter 8 and verse 22 of Romans been more uh, apt than at this present time. He says there, the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain. Let's look at some of these troubles. I live in a, a little town called Brighouse and you don't have to go very far in Brighouse to see pollution. There's pollution all over the place as people write on walls and as people fill bins with rubbish uh, and there it is and that's what we're doing to this world in which we live. And famine, well, it's been estimated by the World Health Organization that at least 600 million people suffer from undernutrition in developing nations alone. And warfare, well, what do I need to say about warfare? We all suffer from co uh, countries going in war against country. And there's lots of warfare in this world in which we live all we need to do as I've said is turn on the television and it seems that there's a different war in a different country almost every day and none of us I'm sure can forget that disaster in America when the World Trade Center was attacked and horrifically brought crashing to the ground 
these and many other more problems are problems in this world in which we live. We remember also the attacks on the London Underground and on the Glasgow Airport, for example. And gun shootings seem to be more and more on the increase, especially in America. Trouble in this world in which we live. And apart from these things, there are troubles which surround us every day. Poverty and sickness and stress. These are some daily cuttings from our newspapers. When I wrote this slide, I, wrote, I looked at the local newspaper and put these uh, on this slide. It shows people. It shows things about sex fiends and burglars and drunken dads letting the son, eleven years old, drive home. And Samaritans, however hard they try, do a good job in trying to solve the problems in this world in which we live. On a lighter side, I'd like to tell you about two jokes that were put up on our notice board at the place in which I work. The first one shows a man running away from the world and he's saying, stop the world, I want to get off. Well, it was meant as a joke, but that's how some people see the world today. And the other one is a public announcement saying, owing to financial constraints, the light at the end of the tunnel has been switched off. Well, yeah, they're meant as jokes, but those last two things that I've said uh, speak of the troubles in the present world in which we live. And so we know that our present world is far from being at peace. So let's now turn to our Bibles, the Word of God, and see what the world is coming to. The Bible spoke of times like these. Indeed, it said these times heralded the return of God's Son to set up his kingdom of peace. We'll read some of our quotations from the New English Version of the Bible for clarity. And Luke chapter 21 and verse 26 is one such reading. There it simply says, Men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world <clears throat> and many people ladies and gentlemen just say what is coming next what is the world coming to the recent bombings what is coming next the recent bombings uh, at Boston at that um, marathon on the 15th of April also tell us what the world is like today well we're going to go and look at the Bible and see what it has to say and again, reading of the state of the world just before Jesus returns, 2 Timothy 3 and verses 1 to 3 say, Mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Men will be lovers of money, they will be boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Have, and we are warned by Timothy who wrote these words, have nothing to do with them. And we can see that these troubles are on our earth day by day 
We only need to listen to the news on the television or on the radio or read the newspaper to see what a world we are in. So what the world needs, ladies and gentlemen, is help. Help to solve the many problems that it's facing. And in the Bible we find that help. For right back in the Old Testament, God promised, as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. And this promise of a time of peace and safety is for us a hope in times of trouble. To those who read and understand God's word, it is a hope. And we sing of peace on the earth in our Christmas carols, don't we, every year, as we look forward to this time. But Jesus makes it very clear, ladies and gentlemen, in Matthew 18 and verse 3, that everybody won't automatically be given a place in God's kingdom. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 3 says, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom. So the Bible teaches us that to become a Christian, we must first read, hear, and understand the word of God. Then we are to be baptized as a sign of our belief. And we are to aim to follow in God's ways throughout our life. So what then makes a Christian different in this world of trouble? Well the first step to becoming a Christian is to be baptised as a sign that we want to follow in God's ways and not in man's ways. After our baptism the Christian is called to follow the commandments of Christ. Indeed Jesus said, Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. So we should try and live the sort of life that God would have us live. And to help us with this, God sent his son to show us how we should live. We want now to look at some of the things that Jesus taught his disciples. If only people in this world today took notice of these things, then we would live in a much better world than we do now. Jesus taught us to love and to care for one another. In John 13 and verse 35, Jesus says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Jesus taught us to be forgiving. Luke 23 and verse 34, in that verse there, Jesus prays to his Father concerning them that crucified him, saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Even on the cross, Jesus was forgiven. Jesus taught us not to fight, but to be peaceful. Luke, Luke 9 and verse 56. The Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And Jesus is the example of how God wants us to live our lives. I suppose if we all lived like this, most of, the most of the world's problems would be no more. But many people just ignore the word of God and what Jesus has to say. But for Christians, Jesus 
is our example because he obeyed his father in all things he's now risen on high with us uh, sorry he's risen on high with his father <clears throat> but just as he cared for the sick and the troubled of his day he cares for all those who will turn unto him now he says in Matthew 6 and verse 31 to 33 so don't worry say what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well however the Christian is not shielded from harm the Christian life is not a bed of roses sometimes trouble comes into our lives but it's comforting to know that when these times of trouble come that God knows our plight and he cares for our needs indeed in 1 Peter 2 we read if you endure suffering even when you have done right God will bless you for it it was to this that God called you because Christ himself suffered for you and left you an example that you should follow in his steps and Psalm 33 and verse, 19, verse 18 says the eyes of the Lord are upon those that fear him so here is true help ladies and gentlemen true help for us at all times after we become Christians followers of Christ we realise that God is in control of everything and that whatever becomes of us God knows and God cares for us and God sees our problems we also have other helps as we walk to the kingdom we have prayer God hears our prayers he answers them for our own good and there's nobody who knows us better than our, our creator he knows what is good for us we have the communion service where we can come together to remember the life and death of Jesus week by week by taking bread and wine as Jesus asked us to do and we have the care and the help of one another we like the apostle Paul of old can help and care for one another in our times of need and remember one another in our prayers and this all brings us in a wonderful unity with and fellowship with Christ so if we put our trust in God then we have nothing to fear we don't need to worry what the world is coming to because God is in control and in Hebrews 4 and verse 15 it speaks of Jesus as our high priest it says we have a high priest we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses but we have one who's been tempted in every way just like we are yet without sin let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need and in the Psalms again in Psalm 112 this time and verse 7 speaking of those that trust in God it says he shall not be afraid of evil tidings his heart is fixed trusting 
in the Lord. And knowing that we can take our troubles to God in prayer helps us cope with the stress and the trouble of this modern world in which we live. Again we repeat, the Christian isn't immune from these things, but God has promised that he will care for us and answer our prayers for our own good. So the word of God, prayer to the Father in heaven, and his promises towards us help us throughout our lives. The word of God abounds with words of comfort to those that put their trust in God. Two more examples, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament scriptures. Firstly again, going into the Psalms, Psalm 42, the psalmist who put his trust in God in times of trouble says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, for he is for the help of his countenance. <coughs> And in the New Testament, in Romans again, Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 says, We know that all things work together for good. Ladies and gentlemen, really note this, word, this verse in Romans 8 and verse 29. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called to his purpose. If we are following God, we have nothing to fear because everything works out for good. So we are then to put our trust in our, the almighty creator of heaven and earth. And we have a hymn that speaks of this. Um, verse, uh, one of the verses of that hymn say, God is my strong salvation, what foe have I to fear? In darkness and temptation, my light, my help is near. Though hosts encamp around me, firm to the fight I stand. What terror can confound me with God at my right hand? But the trouble with mankind is himself. It's often been said that the, cent the centre of the word sin is I. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They preferred to go their own way rather than obeying God. What about us, ladies and gentlemen? Men's way, man's way, leads to a coffin. A coffin six feet under the ground. But God's way gives us peace of mind now, in this troubled, in this troubled world. And although we might die, we will be resurrected and given a place in God's kingdom of peace when Jesus returns. There's no middle way, ladies and gentlemen. We, like Adam and Eve had so many years ago, have a choice to make. If we want to follow in God's way, then the effect of the word of, God, of the kingdom being received in our hearts is peace. Isaiah 26, verse 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth, in thee. But to those that trust not, it says in Isaiah 48 and verse 22, there's no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. So we've seen, ladies and gentlemen, that there are many problems 
in this troubled world of ours. And we know that if it wasn't for God's promise of the kingdom, men saying, what is the world coming to, would think that there was no hope. But there is a hope. Indeed, we've already said that the Bible said that the world would become like this before Jesus returns. Luke 21 says, Men's hearts fail them for fear, for looking after the things that are coming on the earth. But these things tell us, ladies and gentlemen, that that age of peace and safety of God's kingdom is near. For we read in verse 27 of Luke 21, Then, after these times of trouble, when men's hearts fail them for fear, then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look, then look up, lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. And so the Bible, ladies and gentlemen, gives us a hope, not only for this present day, but also into the future. The Bible teaches us that the solution to the world's troubles is the return of, G of Christ to the earth to set up God's kingdom and to rule from Jerusalem. And Isaiah says of that time, many will come and say, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. The Lord will go out of Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and this will be the beginning of peace and safety throughout the whole world. Indeed, Jesus himself taught the people of his day <coughs> about this hope for the future. In Matthew 4, verse 23, we read that Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And that word gospel, of course, means good news. So let's finally then, ladies and gentlemen, before we finish our talk, have a glimpse of what changes will be brought about on this earth when Jesus returns. This is what the world is coming to. In Isaiah chapter 35 it talks about this new world that God will bring about on the earth. It says the wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them. The desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it, the excellency of Carmel and Sharon, and they shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. And the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water, and the habitation of dragons where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes. So no longer will the world be troubled with pollution no more acid rain no more destruction of the ozone layer even the desert we read will rejoice and blossom as the rose and in verses 5 and 6 of that Isaiah 35 chapter it says the eyes of the blind shall be open and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped the lame man shall leap as an heart and the young and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out, 
and streams in the desert. And the many operating theatres around the world, which we have a, a major hospital in nearly every town these days, they will be closed. Because at that time, sickness and illness will be a thing of the past. And truly we are seeing that this coming age, what the world is coming to, is really a hope for the future. Isaiah in another chapter, chapter 2, says there will be no more war. Verse 4, Jesus shall judge among the nations, and he shall rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. And finally, stress will be eradicated from off the whole world. And as we've already said, there will be peace throughout the earth. Listen to these words. The ransomed of the Lord shall return and come with songs and everlasting joy upon their head. And they shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. God shall wipe away all te every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. So the Christian in today's troubled world is blessed in many ways as we've seen. But the best is yet to come. In what the world is coming to. The age of Christ's rule on the earth. Well in the beginning. God created the heaven and the earth. As we see in the Genesis record. And he saw that all that he had created. Was very good. But unfortunately man. In many ways has destroyed the earth that God made for him but this isn't the end Jesus is soon to return to the earth to cure our troubled world the question is will we be invited into the kingdom on that day Jesus said he that believeth and is baptised shall be saved and the decision my friends is our own so before I finish my talk for today I'd like to read you some words from another of our hymn, hymns it's hymn number 194 it's usually a hymn that's sung at Christmas time as a Christmas carol but the words of this hymn sum up what we've been trying to say uh, today the first verse of hymn 194 speaks about the birth of Jesus the angels that declared how he would bring peace to all men. And that's why we usually sing uh, this hymn at Christmas time. To remember the birth of the Son of God. The second verse however talks about the world as it is today. With its woes of sin and strife. And finally that last verse of that hymn looks forward to the return of Jesus to the earth. It calls it an age of gold, an age of peace on the earth. So with the words of this hymn, we're going to bring our talk to a conclusion. So verse 1 of hymn 194 says, it's a well-known Christmas carol, you probably all know it. 
it came upon that midnight clear the glorious sun of old from angels bending near the earth where shepherds kept their fold peace on the earth good will to men from heaven's all gracious king the world in solemn stillness lay to hear the angels sing then verse 2 goes on to talk about the world as it is today yet with the woes of sin and strife the world has suffered long beneath the angels strain have rolled two thousand years of wrong a man at war with man hears not the words of peace they bring oh hush the noise ye men of strife <clears throat> and hear the angels sing and then that last verse looks forward to the return of Jesus and peace on the earth for lo the days are hastening on by prophet bards foretold when with the ever circling years comes round the age of gold when peace shall over all the earth its ancient splendours fling and all the world give back the song which now the angels sing at the birth of Jesus the angels said glory to God in the highest and on, and on the earth peace be towards all men and that's what it will be like in the kingdom it will be peaceful for everybody that's there and this is what ladies and gentlemen the world is coming to it will be a time when the whole earth will give God glory there will be peace on the earth and goodwill towards men. And the true Christian is promised a place in that kingdom of peace when the troubles of this world will be no more and when trouble itself will be done away with forever. When the words of another Christmas hymn will be a reality. All glory be to God on high and in the earth be peace. Good will to men from heaven is come and never more shall cease. So ladies and gentlemen looking forward to that time really does give the Christian in today's world of trouble something to be happy and something to be joyful about. God has something better in store for those that, live, that love him. The world is not coming to disaster like some people think when they say what is the world coming to? The world is not coming to disaster. It's not coming to annihilation but it's coming to peace and to safety in God's kingdom here upon the earth. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times go to our website ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk